Welcome to Engage Your Tribe, a podcast about the art and science of audience engagement. I'm Jeremy Shear, founder and CEO of Tribal Knowledge Podcasting, and my guest is Mason Dorner, VP of Marketing at Stacks, formerly known as Fat Merchant, a payment technology platform for small businesses and software companies. Mason, it's great to have you on the show. It's great to be on here. Thanks for having me. So tell us about the company. Yeah, so... Like you said, we were uh, previously known as Fat Merchant. We were kind of the the low-cost carrier of payment processing and merchant services. So we really came in as a disruptor because we were we came in being subscription-based. We were the first company to ever do that. So hmm. to explain that, like you're probably familiar with Square and Stripe, and they charge 3% mm-hmm. of every yeah. credit card transaction. But what a lot of people don't know is that's actually really expensive. The, the wholesale costs, or what they call interchange, to take a Visa debit card, for example, is half a percent. But Square is mm. still going to charge you 3%. So that's a call it a 500% markup. Yeah, right. uh, and what our CEO came up with was there's got to be a better way to do this where the processing company can still make money, but be transparent and pass some savings on to the small business owner. And so that's where the idea of almost a Costco style membership came, came from is you mm. pay your flat membership with us and then that gets you access to the wholesale cost of credit card processing. And typically that saves most businesses around 40%. Uh, on their credit card processing. Oh, okay, that's cool. That's a pretty pretty big savings. Yep. Yeah, it is. So that's that's where we started from was purely a savings play. But as the company matured and as we were striving to continue to serve these small businesses and add value, we ended up building an entire technology platform to help them run their whole business because there's mm-hmm. not just one way that businesses take payments. Some businesses do invoicing. Some businesses take it over the phone. Some have a website that they take payment through. And it used to be that you would have to have a different payment provider for each of those solutions. So if I have a store and I have a website, I have to use Square for my store and Stripe for my website. Well, Mm, wouldn't it be great if you could just have one and have all your data in one place, one set of books, not have to reconcile your accounting twice, not have to look in two different places to see how your business is doing. And so that's where the idea for our platform came from, which consolidated all the different payment types into a single portal and a single API. And so now not only are we saving our customers tons of money on their credit card processing, but we're also giving them a one-stop shop to manage all their revenue, all their business data, and do all of their accounting and reconciliation, which is a huge time savings for a business owner. Okay. Very interesting. So now your customers uh, are primarily small businesses and especially tech companies, right? Within those accounts, who specifically are you trying to talk to? Who, Who is your audience within the accounts that you're marketing? Sure. So we have two uh, very different, very distinct audiences. One is small businesses, and typically it's an owner, a CEO, uh, yeah. general manager, kind of that sort of head head of title. Mm-hmm. The other audience that we have is software companies, actually. So the the technology that runs our call it our customer facing platform is actually very useful for SaaS companies. So we don't just mm-hmm. serve small business owners, but we serve software companies that serve small businesses. So an example of this is there is a a software for electricians. And if you're an electrician, you use the software to run your entire company. But they were using Square to take their payments. So they would schedule the appointment, create the invoice, log their hours in the industry-specific software that they were using. But when it came time to take the payment, they'd have to pull out their Square app. So they're switching between Mm -hmm. multiple different apps. And so this electrician company basically came to us and said, hey, can we harness your payments API and plug it into the back of our software. And so we said, that sounds great. Sure. Because we've been serving electricians for many, many years. We would just be serving them you know, under a white label. 
And so we plug our payments API into these vertical specific softwares. And then by proxy, their customers become our customers. So this one electrician software had 6,000 customers. So we just gained 6,000 customers. They have no idea who we are and they never will, but we've now have another 6,000 customers in our book. So those are the really the two audiences are we sell direct to small businesses. So owners and general managers, and then we sell to vertical specific software platforms that serve small businesses. And in that audience, we're serving, we're talking to the CEO, the CTO and the CFO. So more typical corporate type of uh, titles. Okay, very good. So like you said, sort of two buckets there. So let's talk mm-hmm. about the strategies you use to to have the kind of conversations you need to have to to earn trust and to grow your business. Let's start with the small business, mm-hmm. with the small business owners and those folks. What are the particular set of challenges that you face in just engaging with them in the first place? And what, what are your strategies for getting that engagement and for nurturing them as clients? Sure. One big challenge with small business owners is that they're very, very busy. They're tough to pin down. Another one is that this isn't something that they want to spend time on. Payment processing Mm. has typically been a necessary evil. So again, that makes it even harder to get them to kind of stop and focus on this. So in order to do that, you know, we do most of our marketing is an inbound model. So we aren't cold calling people. We are generating the demand and generating the interest, you know, through content and through advertising to get them to fill out their information and request information from us. So we do a lot of that through paid search because typically uh, a lot of what we get is we will have a small business owner that they had a bad experience and they're ticked. And so now they're looking for another solution. Mm-hmm. So when they go looking for best merchant services on Google, we make sure that we're the first one that, that pops up. Mm-hmm. So once they pop, once we pop up, they click through, hopefully fill out a form on our website requesting information. And, and then our, our salesperson will call them. If they don't fill out the form on that first visit, which, you know, 90% of people that click through an ad don't take the action yeah. on the other side. We retarget them all across the internet and even, even via mail. So they'll see us on Facebook. They'll see us on banner ads on like CNN or Fox or NBC. Or, and then they'll also have, you know, mailers show up at their house as well. And we actually have a technology that can tie up IP addresses to physical addresses. So we basically, we show up everywhere possible, you know, until we get their attention. Okay, so you really spread spread your your name, your thought leadership, your content pretty widely. Sounds mm-hmm. like yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, now when we when when we first connected a couple of weeks ago, you mentioned that your CEO is a guest on podcasts sometimes, and that mm-hmm. that's also part of your marketing strategy. So say a little bit about that. What value do you guys get from from the CEO being a guest that way? Sure. Yeah. So I I think something that's important to remember in marketing is that nobody really cares that much about your product or about what you're Mm. selling, especially if it's not somebody that's in the market for what you're selling right then at that moment, which most people are not going to be. So there's a whole nother layer of just generating awareness. So maybe it's not the right time, but you know that this group of people, they're the right group of people. They're the right potential customer. Mm. So you need to have an awareness there so that when the time is right, they choose you. And like I said, in that stage, they're not really going to care about what you're selling because they're not ready to buy. They're not really going to care that much about your product, even though you may think it's amazing. But what people yeah. do care about is they, they care about stories and they care about people that they connect with. And so that's where we harness the power of our CEO's name and brand and personality to go and connect with these business owners because she has built a business from the ground up. So they relate mm. to that. She's also a female. So there's not a lot of female entrepreneurs, you know, just in entrepreneurship in general, but especially in tech. So that's Mm -hmm. really helps her stand out and be unique. And it's this amazing story of this woman that founded this tech company 
from the ground up. And that's something that resonates with people. So we look for places to put, you know, where we can put that in front of other business owners to where they can look to her as a thought leader and an authority figure within business. Uh, and that raises, you know, her brand, it raises our brand. And then when those people are at a point where they, they're starting a new business or they need to switch their payment solution, we're top of mind because they've connected with her and they like her. They don't even necessarily need to know that much about our product's capabilities. They know that I trust this person. I like this person. They're selling this thing that I need. So I, because I already trust them, I'm going to go with that solution. Okay, right. So there's that human element, that human touch mm -hmm. that can ma really make a big difference. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, does this apply equally, in your opinion, to uh, the software companies that you're working with? Uh, I think it still does. But again, with the software companies, it's a different sales process. With a small business, it's usually one decision maker. There can be more feeling because there's one decision maker, there is more feelings involved. And yeah. You know, okay, well, I, I feel a connection with our CEO, Sanira, so therefore I'm going to buy her product. With a software company, there's there's a lot more stakeholders and a lot more people involved in the decision-making process. A lot of times there's venture capital backers as well. So it, it works. It's still a strategy that we leverage, but it's less touchy-feely and more leveraging, hey, here's how we can help your business. It's much more straightforward. It's much less about the personality. And with those companies, we also pull on other C-suite executives you know, within our organization that they may resonate with. Because our, our CEO, she's going to connect with a CEO really well, but mm -hmm. she may not connect as well with a CTO because a chief technology officer speaks a very technical language. Yeah. And so that's where we'll leverage like our CTO and our COO uh, so that we're speaking the right language with the different stakeholders that are going to be at the table. Okay. Well, say more about that. How do you specifically, how do you leverage your CTO? So on, how do you, how do you make that part of your marketing strategy? Sure. Yeah. So the, the areas and the channels that we go to reach these uh, SaaS platforms, they're just, they're, they're, they're different channels, right? Like the, CTOs read different stuff than a small business owner reads. And so if we identify, okay, we're going to do a podcast with XYZ SaaS publication, that's where we'll go and we'll tap our CTO and say, hey, here's their audience. It's very technical. Here's what they care about. Like they really care about ease of integration for our API. So I want, you know, you should talk about how easy it is to set our API up, how we have, you know, this white glove service and how that helps us get customers because we are so good with onboarding. Because that's something that they can, it provides value to the, to the SaaS platform. Cause obviously like white glove onboarding, that's not specific to payments. It's not specific to us. So you're providing them value and you're also building trust, but you're also speaking in a very technical nature that builds that trust with the SaaS platform. So I think it, it mm -hmm. just differs by audience and it differs by the channel and the place that that kind of media is being hosted. Yeah. Now, of course, I'm not a CTO and I don't speak that technical language, but I can only imagine that a CTO at, at a company of, you know, any decent size is just getting inundated with marketing, you know, emails, calls, people want their, want their business. There's just so, you know, so much tech business out there. What is your guys' strategies for cutting through all that, you know, for actually getting the CTO you want to talk to, to pay attention to your stuff and mm -hmm. not your competitor's stuff? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the time it starts with a CEO or CFO is who starts the ball rolling. And then the CTO is who we have to, I would almost refer to them as they're, they're like the closer, right? The CEO mm -hmm. or CFO knows from a strategic perspective, 
it makes sense for us to own our payments and monetize our payments within our platform. But the CTO is the one that's going to have to vet the platform and decide who they really go with and then ultimately uh, implement it. But, you know, to answer your question and cut through the noise with the initial point of contact, which again is usually a CFO or CEO, we do a lot of trade shows, you know, where, where those, <clears throat> where we'll set meetings with them. So if we know that we're going to a trade show, we will start prospecting against these CEOs, CFOs, asking them, hey, you know, are you interested in integrating payments? Have you ever thought about this? We're going to be at this show. We'd love to meet with you and show you how you can, you know, improve the valuation of your company, how you can improve the stickiness of your customers, how you can super, really supercharge your software platform and increase its value with our solution that you can implement in 60 days. So it's really selling them on this on how much value having this feature is going to bring to their platform. Because that, that really is the biggest thing in SaaS right now is if you own your payments, your platform is exponentially more valuable in terms of how it is valued by private equity firms, by VCs. And mm -hmm. so that's really what we push on is, hey, if you, this is going to help your customers stick longer, it is another revenue stream for you and it will make your piece of software more valuable when you exit. Okay. Give me a specific example of how you communicate that through a given channel. Say if you could describe like a particular piece of content that would be tailored specifically for something like what you just described. What's what's the process to figure that out? What does that look like? Sorry, I'm not, not sure if I'm fully understanding the, the whole question. Oh, I, I was just looking for an example of, you know, some of the content marketing you do. And, you know, like if you could just describe like a particular piece of content that's worked really well for you guys. Sure. Let's see. So a lot of the content is actually live speaking in this particular okay. space. It's finding just like sort of like the podcast, but even bigger, like we will look for places where we can plug our CTO or our CEO in to go speak at these tech centric conferences. So it really is live speaking is the main pipeline right now for a lot of for this audience. Mm, okay. Okay, interesting. And so, and that's a pretty common strategy, right? Mm. To, to get your CEO as a featured speaker. In your experience, what makes that work, right? Because I'm sure some CEOs are better at it than others, right? What's like one of the keys to delivering a talk at a conference and just nailing it, like doing it in a way that's going to actually drive business? Mm -hmm. How does that work? Yeah, I mean, obviously being a great speaker is... is key to that, like you can have the best message in the world. And if you're not a strong public speaker, it's going to fall flat. So both our, our CEO and COO are phenomenal public speakers. They speak at probably 15, 20 events a year. So they've definitely gotten the reps in. In, mm -hmm. in terms of the message, it's, it's similar to what I just touched on, you know, those kind of three prongs, which is, you know, letting the, the audience like, this is why you should care about this. This is the value that we're bringing to the table. And when you tell somebody, hey, by integrating our product, it's going to make your company go from being worth 3x your revenue to 5x your revenue. And by the way, we can do it you know, for very little cost in 90 days. It's almost a no-brainer. The biggest challenge is just getting in front of and getting the attention of these high-level C-suite executives, which is why conferences are so great for that because you've got a captive audience for 60 minutes. It's a target-rich environment. You know, you've got a booth or a conference room there that you can instantly pull people off for meetings. And it's so significantly more efficient than trying to prospect those people one by one outside yeah. of an event. Yeah, for sure. So you, so you mentioned your CEO is, is a, a talented public speaker, right? Which is a great mm -hmm. asset. I mean, in your opinion, what is it about your CEO's 
speaking that that makes it good? Like, what is the key if you can pinpoint it that 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 makes it work? Like, what is it that he's doing specifically that you know that makes him so good at it? Yeah, I think that there's very there's very special leaders that just have like a contagious inspirational something or other. I don't know the exact word I'm looking for here, but there's certain leaders like, like Mark Benioff of Salesforce, great example, mm, like, yeah. or a, or a Steve jobs. Like there are those certain leaders that they speak and you feel something. And that's something that our, our CEO has when she speaks, you feel something, you feel the vision, you feel the leadership. And that's a big reason for the success of the company is that every time that she has mm. pitched a product, every time she's gone to fundraise, uh, every time that she's, you know, gone to one of these conferences, People feel that and they believe, even if they don't have all the facts or they've never heard of her before, people just pick up on that energy. Yeah, that's really interesting, right? That's so true because, I mean, giving a speech, it's a performance, right? Mm -hmm. To a certain degree, you're putting on a show. It's not just the words coming out of your mouth. It's not just the, the information you're delivering. It's the whole package. You're making people feel excited somehow and there's kind of like there's an alchemy to that it's almost like you know what makes someone a great actor how do they do it it's kind of hard to describe a little bit yeah it's absolutely i would call it you know an an intangible x yeah okay really interesting well we've covered a lot of ground let's sum it up what would you say is a, a a main takeaway from our discussion for our listeners something that can help them better engage their audiences Hmm. All right. That's a, that's a, a broad question. I, I think the biggest thing is to harness, harness people and harness personality. So many brands are overly focused on the brand and on the product when really the, the people behind that brand and behind that product may actually resonate better with the audience and generate more loyalty and ultimately more sales because people will feel connection with a person, not necessarily a logo or a product. So if you can pivot or incorporate those people into your marketing tactics, I, I think you'll generate a lot more, just a, a lot greater impact a- across your market by leveraging those people versus just focusing on product and brand. Yeah, love that. I think that's that's a great insight. Well, thank you so much for all of your great insights and for a great conversation. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Appreciate you having me on. That's it for this episode of Engage Your Tribe. You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts on any podcast app. And while you're at it, you might as well give the show five stars and leave an over-the-top comment about how much you love the podcast. You know you want to. If you're a marketer or an internal communicator and you're interested in podcasting, we've got tons of free resources on the website at tribknowledge.com. That's T-R-I-B knowledge.com. Thanks for listening and staying engaged.